Bienvenido, bienvenue, and welcome to Samaritan Conversations. In Luke's account of an event over 2,000 years ago, there's a story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who was attacked by bandits. The priest saw the attacked person and opted to pass the other way. The, a Levite, a religious leader, also opted to pass the other way. Then, according to Luke's account, a certain Samaritan, someone outside the religious establishment who was marginalized, stopped and helped. Samaritan Conversations is a podcast focused on community and business leaders who live as that certain Samaritan, that good Samaritan. Welcome to the show today, Sheldon Landy of One Heart Ministries. Sheldon, why don't we just start with you just telling us a little bit about your background? Great. Great, and thank you for having me today. Uh, my story is, is pretty much a, a simple story. You know, I grew up in uh, South DeKalb, uh, right here in Atlanta, and, uh, and I had a great life growing up. Uh, went through elementary school, went to high school out at Briarcliff High School out in North Root Hills and pursuing uh, higher education. They developed an uh, M2M busing system to where you could go to a different school for higher learning. But I went through all of those things. Uh, Two days after graduation, I went right into the United States military where I served in the army for several years. I came back and I finished up my, my term in the reserve. But, uh, and throughout that time, I basically had a good life. I was raised under strict morals and strict ethics uh, in life, but it was one thing that was missing from my life. I wasn't raised uh, to know the Lord in any sense of the way. I wasn't made to go to church. In fact, I have evidence that I had been in the church before because my mom had a picture on her mirror when uh, I think in a contest, I had one like a, a hippopotamus. So I was like two years old in a little tuxedo. But I, that was my evidence that I had really been in the church before, just in case anybody didn't believe me. But uh, after, after the military and came home, my life took a turn. And uh, all my friends that I had left behind, they were dealing in uh, you know, illegal drugs. I didn't know it. They tried their best to keep me from it. But that only went so far. And it wasn't very long at all before. I had my encounter with dealing with illegal drugs. And that's how I was served my life throughout the 80s, the late 80s and the early 90s, uh, all the way to the end of 90s, March 25th, 1999. And that's when uh, things took a real turn. Now, before March 25th, 1999, believe me, we, I really thought that I was doing something good. We dealt in drugs with like the Robin Hood mentality, taking something that was wrong and making it right. And we really did. And we did more in our community really than I had seen anyone else do. And that was something that we had taken pride in. But I understand the scriptures when it says that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof leadeth to death. I understand that more than most, my brother. But it would be March 25th, 1999, when all of that would come to an end, as I was arrested by the DEA for drug trafficking. And I'll never forget, they took me up on this top floor and uh, they isolated me from everyone, said, don't let them make any phone calls. And don't let them around any population until we figure out what's going on. And little did I know that it was the Lord that was using his authority to make sure I was not going to miss this meeting that he had set up for me. Because it would be in that cell on the top floor of that building where I would have my encounter with Christ. And brother, believe me, that encounter was something that I'll hold dear for the rest of my life. I found myself on my knees in that cell professing to a God that I had not known. And I'll never forget the words that were spoken to me. Son, I know your heart and how you will to do good, but you're going about it the wrong way. He said, I'm going to give you something truly precious that you'll be able to share with all men. 
And that night he gave me his son and you best believe it was on ever since then. My only task in life immediately was to serve him. My only desire was to know him, literally nothing else mattered. And that's when my walk with Christ began and it would continue throughout that time in, in, in jail and throughout my release in jail. But when he came into my life, I only had one regret the day that he saved my life. And I wondered how in the world did I get to be 30 years old and the greatest force in the universe be kept for, from me? How was it that I got to be 30 and nobody had told me about the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ? Now, I'll be the first to admit we won the most attractive and approachable fellas out there. So I believe <laughs> the heart for that one was developed instantaneously. Right after salvation, God had literally baptized me and a burden for the loss. It was something that I couldn't get off. The reality that people would die and not make it to heaven, that bothered me. And I remember having dreams and dreams about it. And it was only God shaping and fashioning my heart for that one, that one that would need to know him. So I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, Lord, just please let me share the gospel with everybody that I cross paths with in life. Just let me tell them about you and let me share the story. It would be years later when I would walk out of prison and I would get uh, immediately, my only desire was to serve God. And I would immediately get entrenched in ministry. When I came home, I would get with my, my children and their friends and I would just preach the gospel to them. And I would preach the gospel to the community and all these things. I had a call into Conyers. I didn't know it, but the Lord had already shown me where he wanted me to go. And so it would be in 2003 that we moved to this place called Conyers, Georgia. And that's where ministry began. But I, I noticed that uh, as I, the more I ministered, the more that I got involved with church, it seemed like to me that the church was far more accepting of the people who at least had a standard of morality, a standard of uh, at least having, having, you know, having it together a little bit. I would hear sayings like, God help those who help themselves. And, and I, I, I understood that the statement, but it was not what I was reading because God helps the hopeless and those who are not able to help themselves. And all that time, it was like God was shaping and fashioning in my heart. <clears throat> Again, for the least of these or that one. When, when we weren't doing it to a degree, it was like God allowed for the ministry that I now serve as director of uh, One Heart Ministries to begin doing the trench work, doing the tough things that the church didn't wanna do. We began doing it and we became like the outreach arm of the church. Our mission statement from the very beginning was reflecting God's heart for the world through the relentless pursuit of reaching that one. And what I began to understand in church life that, yes, we were very evangelistic in nature, but it seemed like our evangelism strategy was designed for the masses. And when we only focus on the masses, we often look that one individual, that one that can make all the difference in the world. And so ministry began that way, looking for the undesirable, maybe the least of these. And from that, it began to grow. And I believe it's an all-encompassing ministry that uh, God just witnesses to who whoever's before us. Just like Jesus presents himself as a champion of the underdog. And so I would just, it's like he gave an ability just to be able to see great spiritual potential in those that are often overlooked or counted out. And I began to learn simple things that life cannot dig a hole deep enough to where grace can't pull us out of it. And it seems to be like a subculture in life that is commonly overlooked. And so we purposed in ministry that we're not gonna overlook these people. Right now, today, we have uh, 11 areas of ministry, 
and uh, and we have ministries that meet the people at their point of need, spiritually and physically. We practice a whole holistic uh, model that we don't just look for the physical needs that are of a person, but we also look at the spiritual needs of a person and what they may need. And so we have a, a clothing ministry and food ministry where we're able to feed. We have a, a prison ministry, a homeless ministry where we're able to feed uh, the homeless, special needs ministry where we offer special need proms at these times of year. We even have ministry to our sister churches, community mobile church, where we partner with other churches to help them engage their community for Christ, because we want to put that priority on their heart that we can go out and reach these undesirables. And we can't, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, that whatever you ask the Father for in my name, he may give you. Sometimes we like to pick and choose our assignments and we like to choose the ones that just look a little bit more approachable and a little bit yeah. the ones that where it seems like we may have a measure of uh, a greater measure of success. But to or us, it seems like there's less work. <laughs> yes, sir. Or it seems yes, like sir. there's less work to some people. Yeah. yeah. Sam, when, when we first started this conversation, in all honesty, Sheldon and the people that serve with him were one of the first people to come to my mind when we talk about um the way that the two first people passed by you yeah. know the man the man on the road and how sheldon's heart from the day one that i've ever met this gentleman he doesn't i bet sheldon doesn't remember the actual first time that i met sheldon was when i was working for the newspaper i had to go into the high school and sheldon was in the high school even in sheldon's kind of all of his time and as many things as he's had his hands on, he's even served in youth ministry in high schools. And a lot of that helped um, just facilitate the beginning stages of what, of how he's expanded into families um, and found uh, deeper needs in families and stuff like that, which I always thought was absolutely wonderful. The way Caleb, um, a friend of mine, really shared the heart of, of Sheldon and them out. Man, I knew that at some point our paths were going to cross with what the Lord had with us and awake and how Sheldon was growing. And, and uh, I mean, he got so big, they had, they, the, the, he had to leave the Baptist church just to expand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <No. laughs> and, that's, and that's exactly how I see it, too, brother. That's right. That's right. No, hey, man, that I think that's awesome. That raised that I really like how you said that you were doing a lot of things that the other churches didn't do, um, particularly churches instead of leading a church like it's um, it's a you know these are spirits and spiritually we're supposed to take care of everybody, they are acting like businesses you know um, so the idea is hey if we're going to survive we need to specifically target people that can bring money into the door and help us grow financially. And if That's they right. hear anything about, no, let's, let's not focus on that and focus on the people. Yeah, how, how hearing that and knowing that you didn't get support like that initially, like before you started, um, and if you were in a church and you're trying to get them to do these type of things, um, why did that not discourage you? Mm. You know, Samuel, and I appreciate you asking me that. You know, I met Jesus in a supernatural way. I was brought into the kingdom in the power of God. So I, I believe God miracles from day one. And I thought all believers believe that same way. I thought all believers depended on the power of God. I can remember being in prison and guys that were in church, you even had preachers in prison 
And they would tell me, man, the church is going to have some issues with you, brother. I can tell you that already. And I really didn't understand <laughs> where, where they were coming from. And so I got out. I was invited to a church. And right away, Samuel, something happened. Something happened. I came home. And I was listening to the Jesus that was being preached. And it was different from the Jesus that had introduced himself to me. And I had a dilemma and I didn't have long to decide. I was either going to let Jesus be to me who he said he was, or I was going to let Jesus be what I was hearing because I was seeing two different Jesuses, brother. And what I purposed in my heart is I believe that love is the way that we are to go out and we are to be the manifested image of Christ in this world that so desperately needs him. I believe the priority of the kingdom is to preach the gospel. And I realized, man, that when I share the gospel with people, it's not about the Sabbath in my gospel presentation, but it's about the movement of the spirit. That's all it is. Yeah. I just tell the story and I get out of the way and, and I let him I say, go, go get him Holy Ghost and he go get him, you know? And so it, it was just being zeroed in on Christ. And the more I was around the church, I began to understand the church that some things were off man and that there was a deception that was loosed uh even within the church man that was uh that was not becoming a christ it was not god and so yes it was difficult trying to get people to go places that they didn't go but man as as painful as that was it didn't overshadow my joy of being obedient towards christ and i realized man that if you have different objectives then the winds are going to look different all right and so you know, for some, you know, they measure success by the outcome of a situation. But in the faith, we measure success according to our obedience. And so, man, I just wanted to do the will of God. I realized that, man, what God gives us is tremendous opportunities. And a person can take it or leave it. They don't have to do it. But at the end of the day, they got to sell accounts with God, not me. And so my encouragement to the church, man, was to believe the supernatural, man. Believe in the anointing of God and believe in the mission, the work, the person of Holy Ghost who's here to manifest the power of heaven. I really believe our faith in God will get us to heaven. But our faith, man, and with the Holy Spirit and who he is, it, it has the ability to bring the power of heaven to earth, to dwell in earthen vessels of clay, man. We can see things, man, that we've never seen before. And so I got a chance, Samuel, to see so much of it that, and I mean this in a respectful way, it really didn't matter what anybody else thought because God was doing it. And it's just like, man, he invites people to come along and join him. But if they have a different way of doing it or a better way to do church, brother, I just, in, in fact, it didn't draw discouragement. It, it drew sympathy, brother, really, because I felt mm. like man, they really don't know him because if they really knew him, man, they would delight in this work. They would wake up and throw the cover off. And when their feet hit the ground, they would run to man preach the gospel. They would run to the least of these, mm. seeing Jesus is their champion. That's what he spoke. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was sick or in prison, you came to me. And they asked the question, when did we ever see you in these ways and do these things for you? He says, and as much as you've done it for the, the, the least of these, my brethren, you've done it for me. That's the faithfulness of the faith, hope, and love. Um, yes. According to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And our, our reward is in our obedience. I don't know who's listening or who might be listening to this in these moments and they've heard your heart on how to serve communities. If, if someone has a heart to serve their community and just real quick, they want to reach out to One Heart Ministries to, um, to hear more of your story and then how you guys can possibly serve their church, serve their body and reaching out to their communities, how would they get a hold of you? 
Brother Will, I can certainly give our office number, uh, and, and, and that is uh, 678-910-5725. Someone will always be there doing uh, working hours to answer that phone. Also, the web. It's One Heart Ministries Incorp, inc.org. One Heart Ministries, inc.org. For a lot of people, if they had the same experience as you on 325-1999, that would have been like their darkest day. So I guess at what point, how did you, how did that become your best day? Like, how did you, you know, kind of look at that and go, this is a good thing for me, right? <laughs> like if, if I were, you know, handcuffed and heading off to jail, I'm not sure I'm thinking, man, this might be my lucky day. <laughs> So how, how did that transition happen? How did you see it as a good thing? I, had, I went back and I, um, Apples was a, a, a ministry on the inside that ministered to prisoners that were on the inside. And it's a very structured ministry in that they kind of direct the talks that they want you to have with those that are in prison. So on this particular day, they asked me to do a talk on the footprints in the sands. And the design of that talk is to get those that are in prison to look back on their life and to see when where God was in their life, even though they didn't realize it. They didn't recognize him as God then, but they're able to see him now. And so I, I take those, I took it very seriously. I went back and I looked at my own life. Was there a time in my life when Christ was reaching out to me that I did not know? All right. And and I couldn't find a time until the Lord began to minister. And let me tell you what came to me. It was about, it was in September of 98, September of 98, when I was sitting down watching a football game with some of my friends and I saw something that got my attention and I didn't know what it was. It was this big banner that was hanging over the rail of a stadium and it had John 3 dot dot one six on it. And I remember asking those around me, I said, hey, I said, did y'all see that? They said, see what? I said that big banner that had John 3 dot dot one six. They said, no, nobody saw it. And, and it just kind of stuck with me. It would be a few months after that, I was watching another sporting event and I saw that banner again. And I said, did anybody see that banner that John 3 dot dot one six? nobody had seen it and listen to me Samuel this was crazy it started to bother me it started to bother because I was like one of those guys that like like to know and I wanted to know what is that John 3 dot dot one six now sad reality is this I literally began asking people what was John 3 dot dot one six and nobody could tell me nobody nobody in my midst could tell me what it uh what it was and so since nobody knew and this was way before the days of Google and all of that I had to come up with my own answer. So look, this is the God honest truth. John Madden, the great sports commentator. I said, it got to be John Madden's birthday, March 16th. I, you know, <laughs> I said, it got to be John 3, 16. And literally, I was telling people, I figured it out. I said, oh man, that's John Madden. That's John Madden's birthday, you know? So what I'm saying, Samuel, is what I learned 
that God is there and he's reaching out to everybody. And I think, I think one thing that you can definitely say, and maybe he is in hot pursuit of things and he's just looking for that one person to open their eyes, open their ears, and then open their heart. And that's the moment. I think that's the Samaritan moment. You know, that's the one where the Samaritan's walking along, his eyes are open, his ears are open, and his heart is open. And he, and he sees this guy on the side of the road. And I, I think that it's moments when yes. the least of these have that recognition, but it takes those that are already believers, that are already in the faith, already believing God for a marvelous and magnificent things, already have been arrested by the Holy Spirit. It takes those to have their eyes open their ears open and their heart open. And um, it, it becomes evident because if you, you know, what, what you guys don't know, but what I've experienced, even with Sheldon and many people at, at one heart, you cannot walk in opportunities where their family is together and they're ministering somewhere. You do not walk into that place and ever feel alone. And, and though it, and though every person's eyes are attuned and ears are tuned and, her, and hearts are tuned to the Lord, you're not walking out of there without someone, even, even in the simplicity of speaking to you, they, they speak right to your heart. I have, my wife and I have been in a couple of bad places ourselves, um, and we've had needs, and one heart has provided for our family. And so when we, when, and even when I went in there, I never felt like I was like, you know, a basket case. I never was made to feel less than. I was never made to feel like I didn't own anything or have anything. And they're trying to give me everything. You know, I always felt uplifted. I always felt honored. I always felt, uh, I always felt important. I felt, and that's one thing that I think is so key to everything that One Heart has done is that they make their, their heart is to see everyone lift their head and be an ancient gate for Holy Spirit and, 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 uh, and to be honored in every moment. And I think that that's, man, it speaks such profound language to our community. It speaks profound language to the church and it speaks a profound language to business. I mean, it does both. Um, so just the insight into into someone who's literally received love from one heart even that has been powerful absolutely powerful and to watch other families get served the way that they get served it's amazing absolutely amazing sheldon we don't want to hold in these last few minutes um can you tell us because i really want to get the information out there about christmas hope for christmas you know we have the privilege of serving in a Christmas Hope for the Holidays. And that is our community's largest Christmas initiative. And it is with a wonderful partnership with churches and businesses and uh, people coming together to make Christmas possible for children in our community. So all referrals come through the Rockdale County School System. It's being done just a little bit differently this year as Discover Point Church is heading up the admin portion of it. But it's a neat time of year for uh for churches to really connect, businesses to connect with people, again, simple people, people that may be in need or people that just need, and not not just of gifts and things. Sometimes people come out, man, because they just want to belong to something bigger than where they are right now. And uh, 
Brother, I tell you, we, we collect toys, toys for tops. They're a big partner. We put barrels out, and that's one thing you can do. Look for the barrels out in places of businesses. We'll put up a sign, and you will see that this is a uh, Hope for the Holidays toy uh, drop-off site to where you can drop off new toys, or you can uh, just call into the, the ministry number, and you're able to give um, uh, monetarily or give gifts, or if you know of businesses where we can put a barrel. If uh, you know businesses that traditionally have Christmas parties and they look for something good to invest in in Rockdale County, listen, Christmas Hope for the Holidays is wonderful. And what's even better about it, it's not just the resources you give, but it's the ability to come out on distribution day and be a part of it. You can be a part of uh, the tour sorting. You can be a part of the distribution. You can be a part of the 15 minute minute services we have just to make sure people know that there's an invitation to the kingdom that we want them to know and multiple pastors head that up. Or you can be a part of the gift wrapping session to where every person that receives gifts has a chance to get a gift wrap before they leave. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve whether it's an individual or it's an organization or a business to be able to come out and be a part of the whole process. Thank you very much, well, Sheldon. Yeah. So the date for Christmas Hope for the Holiday this year is December 19th at Discover Point Church right on Highway 138, 1605, Highway 138 in Conyers, Georgia. But again, if you know of anybody that would be willing to open up their business to have a barrel as a where people can drop off toys or if they can point the efforts of their Christmas party, if they have any type of... Uh, good deeds that they want to do as a result of coming together at the Christmas party, pointing towards Christmas hope. I, I guarantee it's good ground, brother. A lot of good things have happened over the years at Christmas hope. All right. Well, that, that sounds, that sounds great, man. First, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know you're, you're kind of running somewhere, but thank you for taking the time to just talk for us, talk to us. And I just think, um, you know, you're kind of a demonstration of stopping for the one and all of the elements in the story that we kind of talk about where, um, you know, I, I kind of like one of the things you said were, was that the church, um, someone told you the church is not, is going to find something wrong with you. And, um, you know, I think part of the reason we do this is because the church or not quote unquote, the exact church, but the church found a problem with Jesus even. <laughs> so yes. you're on the right track, you know, in terms right, of brother. Jesus being the standard for people finding a problem. So if, if, if they're not finding a problem with you, then you probably aren't doing it the right way. You know, it's kind of the, the red, <laughs> the red letter Christians, if you will, where we, <laughs> we look at the Jesus for how we, <laughs> how we, how we live. So that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, the, the other thing I really like is that term, the least of these, because that's what Jesus said. If you, what you do for the least of these, you're doing it for me. And ultimately, when we're standing there before God, when this is all over, that's how we're going to know that we've truly done what we're supposed to do uh, for that's the right. least of these. You know, I was reading something. I was reading something yesterday. Um, I was spending some time with the Lord at the house and everything. You know, we don't, we're not doing church right now. My wife is still not feeling safe going in groups and everything. So, and, and I honor her in that. Um, I'm a seven, so I'll go anywhere, anytime. Just put a mask on me. I'm good. But, um, 
So my, but uh, we were sitting and reading and I was reading in John and I think it's in chapter six where Jesus literally goes, Hey, don't you know, I handpicked you and he's talking to his disciples and I sat back and I went, who did he pick? They were like the, not even the best possible choices. And he chose them to be the 12 unto the world, you know? And it's like, Oh my gosh, he got two stinky fisherman kids that didn't know anything got kicked out of school when they were 12 he got you know i'm thinking about some of the worst idea of the of ministry leaders that you could possibly go about picking and he's like don't you know i handpicked you and i'm like wow lord i don't know if you thought that one through but 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 but, (laughs) no but but that's i think that's part of the the challenge the the way the way how the how people look at it because when you think about it you know, uh, as Brother Sheldon's kind of talking, uh, Jesus himself was homeless. <laughs> so if you look at it that way, the church would be spending a lot more time dealing with homelessness because that's where Jesus was. Yeah. yeah for, the purpose of being, for the purpose of being able to reach every person in every opportunity that he had. Um, yeah. And I love, I love that, you know, there's, there's multiple a plethora of things and a lot of people, um, even the concept that uh, Jesus was um, the least of these. And I mean, in all honesty, I think he, he chose that path in some ways so that he could so that he could be in front of them where most of the time, especially leading all the way up into John five, leading all the way up into John five, he appeared only to the least of these. It wasn't until John five and on right there around John five that he even appeared to anyone of any kind of stature or um judiciary or religious things yeah and then in every instant from five all the way to ten he was like you guys don't even know what you're doing out here and you're walking by me and you think i'm the least of these and yet i'm doing some of the greatest miracles with these that are surrounding me and Mm. the the concepts man that the lord had been showing me through five through ten right now i'm just i'm blown away i'm blown away at how he said um, I, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in nine or 10. He said, you know, I'm giving you, I'm the introduction to the Holy spirit and, th- and I'm going to give you what is inside of me as he talks about that. And he talks about being the gate. I, I heard a, I heard a message just recently that religion and the church have become a false gate that people are trying, that they're trying to force people through so that they look a certain way to come into the kingdom. And Jesus says, look, I'm the gate. And when I see you, I know who you are. Period. That's right. Like you don't need, there's nothing to pass through this gate. I am the gate. And when I look at you, I know who you are. And so I, right. I heard that just recently. And it, it, it made me go all the way back to John five and read all the way to 10, because if he's talking about being the gate and that religion is a false gate for us to walk through, I don't want to be a false gate. I want to be so seated in Jesus in my heart that when I look at someone, I see them like he sees them. He sees them, you know? That's right.